The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. And thank you all for everything that you've been sending us in terms of the network. And yes, it is our 15th year. We are celebrating that uh, for Positive Talk Radio and uh, soon to be announced uh, several of our new channels, including our God Talk channel. Today is a very special day for me. Um, I was kind of joking a little bit to my guests that, you know, if you'd ask me as a kid growing up in the Bronx, uh, whether or not I'd be having a conversation with the the people that are the author of this fabulous book, Order of the Sacred Earth, an intergenerational vision of love and action. And I'm referring to today, for those of you, just so you, you're wondering who I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about Dr. Matthew Fox. I'm also talking about Skylar Wilson and Jennifer Lista joining me here today. These three people on the call today have contributed more than just the writing of a book. And, you know, today, as I think about this and I think about the body of work that each has put together individually, but what the collective now brings to the forefront, it is a book that is all about for me and many of you are called to action. Many of you know um, Matthew Fox, internationally acclaimed theologian, spiritual maverick. I love that when I was reading about that. Uh, and he has literally, his life has been in revolutionizing as well as evolutionizing, you know, Christian theology and a level of consciousness for all of us that taps into the possibilities, the possibilities of spirituality. And today, whether you know his work and his many, many publications, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, radio, television, all of the above, you know, what you can say is that we are all here gathered today to open up a conversation and a narrative on a new order. And you'll hear about that. Skylar Wilson, you know, is someone as well that is saying yes to the world at large, but not just from a conversational point of view, but from an actual action-oriented point of view. Developed wild awakenings while he finished his graduate studies in philosophy, but more than that, a visionary as well. And when we think about Jennifer and we think about, you know, what it means to show up and come to the world, whether you think about Jennifer's publishing career in the New World Library or whether you think about being passionate passionate about transformational energies, these three come together where the sum of the parts far exceed anything that I could say in words. So thank you all for joining us here today. Thank you so much. Good to be with you. Thank you. Great to be here. So I have one question I'd like to ask each of you. And uh, for me, Uh, It's a question that I've been asking people for 15 years. I just gave folks a really brief, brief introduction to try to sum up 
who, who you are. But the question I'd like to start out with as the authors of Order of the Sacred Earth is this question. I'd like to know from each of you, what challenges, what obstacles did you have to overcome, not just to be here talking about this book, but to be here in this very moment, to be who you are in the world. And let's start with uh, Dr. Fox, if we could. Well, um, first of all, uh, Jen and Skylar are in their 20s and 30s, respectively. <laughs> and I'm in my 70s, so we are a different generation. And that's part of our pitch, that we need intergenerational wisdom. But speaking of orders, I was a member of the Dominican Order in the Catholic Church for 34 years. Uh, I got silenced by the Vatican uh, for a year, and then I got expelled from the order. Because of my uh, positions on uh, women's rights and gay rights and earth rights, and um, uh, so, so part of my awareness of what an order is at this time in history and what an order might be uh, as we launch a new vision for a new generation, uh, part of this, of course, came out of my experience, which, which was most positive. I. I, uh, I I feel very blessed for the years of the uh, of my life that I was in the Dominican Order, which is 800 years old, um, and I met some wonderful people alive and dead, including Thomas Aquinas and Meister Eckhart, who who were Dominican, and also Giordano Bruno, who was burned at the stake in the year 1600 for bringing science and religion together. Um, so I think part of my perspective is to learn from the mistakes in these orders, and that's why we call our order a spiritual order, not a religious order, because we don't we don't want to be subject to the usual religious politics. What's at stake today is the survival of the earth uh, as we know it, and therefore our species and these other wonderful species we share the planet with. That is what this order is about. And so we draw on on anyone who wants to come, be a Buddhist the Taoist, Native American, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, or atheist, if they agree to the one vow that we that we are about that binds us together, namely that uh, I promise to be the best lover of Earth and the best defender of Earth that I can be. Mm. Wow. I knew we had something in common, Dr. Fox. I got thrown out of Dominican Catholic boarding school at age six. <laughs> Uh, can you imagine throwing a six-year-old out of a Catholic boarding school? Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I didn't do anything quite like you. But, see, I, I, I went in and I told Sister Michael Anthony that Jesus told me my mother was with him. And so that was enough to get, haul me off to Mother Superior. So we're, this is going to be a great show. Uh, it's going to be great. You were a prodigy. You were a prodigy oh, to get picked oh out my. so young. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, 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 I'll tell you that life has never been the same. And by the way, I'm still doing it. Uh, Skylar, how about you? Oh, wow. Where to start? Where to begin? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my, my work has been in, in rites of passage um, for the last, um, I don't know. I'm specifically, I would say eight years with the Stepping Stones project and then also with Wild Awakenings um, along with Jennifer. And, um, and 
rites of passages, I, I think it starts when you have your when you you come in contact with. Um, for me, anyway, it was coming in contact with my core wound and um, sense of separation, sense of challenge. And I definitely had my challenges growing up, um, like I think both of you, getting kicked out of things and uh, <laughs> and feeling and feeling like um, like do I do I belong? What do I belong to? And um, where I went was the wilderness. And from an early age, it was always going out into nature and 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 speaking with animals and connecting on a visceral, immediate level with, with nature. And, um, and just, I found that sense of, uh, of, of purpose, of connection, um, love, intimacy, oneness, um, a lot of spiritual values um, and things that have nourished me um, through challenges that I've, I've often come up against in, in my day-to-day life, family life. And, um, and now... Um, with the order of the sacred earth, I think we as a whole are in, in a, um, humanity finds itself in, in a challenging situation. I think any way you look at it, um, there, there are challenges. There's billions of us on the planet and many of us without enough to eat and war is happening all over the place. And, um, it's easy to find, um, ourselves feeling separate and in a state of, uh, despair. And so we're, my, my draw to this is as much about hope and as much about believing in connection and um, our innate sense of, of belonging to this planet and to the evolutionary journey that, that we've all been on, the 13.8 billion years of, of uh, cosmic evolution to, to get here. And, um, and so for me, that's what this is about. And, and it's, it's humbling and it's vulnerable to put myself out there, um, and to, but it's also very enlivening and a joy to connect with Jennifer and Matthew and so many others um, in this way, and to just feel the excitement that's building around this movement to be the best lovers and defenders of the earth that we can be, and not judge ourselves for our our shortcomings, but to um, to to belong and to, um, to put ourselves out there and to really try our best to create positive change in the world. Mm, wow. Great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. And Jennifer, how about you? Yeah, uh, as both of them said, so many little challenges along the way, even still and daily. But the biggest one that comes to mind for me is just that this existential lack of purpose that I felt for so long Oh. And then the realization that that I that I still feel that this world and the society that we've all kind of co-created over generations is designed to keep us small, because it mm-hmm. really really helps the people who are in power right now if most people in the world don't realize their purpose and their power and and the sacredness of the earth, and so to. First to realize that and then to break free from it was like, it was as hard as, as when I gave birth to my child. And I imagine mm-hmm. as hard as being born. It is like being born anew and living a new life when you realize that you don't have to be a cog in the machine. But it's really hard. And, it's, and even when you commit to living outside of that system, it, it, it's, it gets more difficult, actually. So it's an mm-hmm. ongoing challenge. But 
so important. And that's part of my message um, to everyone is to uh, awaken out of that dynamic, out of being complicitly just a part of this system that is um, working against us and working against the earth right now. Oh, you know, I'm so glad to have you all on this show. I can't even begin to tell you, you know, we are, our team is kind of like yours. I mean, I have a great team of people and together we launched Transformation Network, Transformation Talk Radio. Our ages, not not, not quite like yours, but 21 to 69, right? Mm-hmm. And people look at us and they say, how many fights do you have a day? But what you three just did is to say, no, Nope, it's not the fight. It's not that. It's the fire. It's the passion. I want to ask you this question, and I'm going to start in reverse now with Jennifer, if you don't mind. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. What is, read the book, man, I'm, I'm just totally fired up, but what is the thread that binds you three together and as such binds and calls for the strength of this order? Well, good question. I, aside from, like you just brought to light, all of us going through our own challenges to get here, it's really, it's really simple. It's our passion for the earth and all of her life. It's our mm-hmm. passion for, for keeping her alive, for witnessing and, and feeling and being a part of the earth's sacredness and wanting to, to bring that out in every person and to share that mm-hmm. with the world. I think that is the number one way that the three of us connect. And mm-hmm. we are, we are um, the three of us are warriors. We share that, too. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Skylar, how about you? Yes. Well, I, I loved what you said, Jennifer, and um, that we're warriors particularly and that we love, love the earth and, and in all kinds of different ways. And we, um, we can connect from different perspectives and bring different wisdom to this as can each person that, that comes into this conversation um, and the container that is the order of the sacred earth. And I feel most of all what binds me to Matthew and Jennifer and to, and to all those that I really connect with is a, is a sense of awe and wonder for life and for an appreciation, reverence even, um, for the sacredness of life, for the profound gift that this is this life is and when we're coming from that place we can connect in a way that that's open and also focused because we we have a sense for what the possibilities are of how we can connect in the moment and what we can do together what our common Mm -hmm. um connection to that sacredness to that purpose is and when i see other people who have a purpose who who are struggling with it, who are open and vulnerable to their struggles and, uh, and willing to do it nonetheless and be strengthened by those struggles. It, I fall in love again with, with, with them, with myself, with this collective, uh, vision that we're on, this collective purpose, this collective life that we share. And it, it moves me. There's nothing better than being in connection with others who are engaged in a large vision and, and also acting on it in small and large ways. Mm. Oh, th- thank you. And how about you, Dr. Fox? Well, my life's work and my 35 books have been about recovering the creation spiritual tradition. Mm-hmm. And what's obvious today is that creation 
certainly this corner of it, this special earth that we all share, is in profound decline. Uh, I just finished a book this weekend by Roy Scranton called We're Doomed, Now What? Mm. Yeah. This isn't a real happy book, but at least it cuts through the denial that our politicians and our media and our our millions of distractions fed to us daily are, are feeding us on a regular basis. And so for me, part of my um, fire is um, moral outrage at the way mm-hmm. our species uh, chooses to be in denial, because it is a choice to be in denial. And, and chooses to continue the exploitive, uh, uh, the exploitation of Mother Earth in the name of an economic system that has become an idol and is dead and is, is killing things. So um, I like the word warrior that, that, that um, Jen and, and Skyler brought up. The warrior is different from the soldier because the warrior works out of love. So as they both said, it is our love of the beauty, the awe, the the gratuitous gift that this earth is that took 13.8 billion years to to develop the cosmos that is, and um, and invited us here. So why aren't we returning gratitude for for this gift and and uh, reverence? Instead, we're we're uh, shutting our eyes to how we are despoiling Mother Earth. And so mm-hmm. there's an equal side going on, and people think that we can go about business as usual or education as usual or religion as usual, and we can't. All these things have to change profoundly. And I think the younger generation feels this in their guts, even if they don't always talk about it. But uh, that's what I'm interested in, is how the whatever wisdom we can garner from our ancestors about how we learn to love ourselves and Mother Earth and don't go into either denial on the one hand or despair on the other. And uh, d- there's a certain despair in a in a in a, a, a title like "We're Doomed." Now what? Um, I, I I love the definition of hope from David Orr, the eco philosopher, who says hope is a, is a verb with the sleeves rolled up. So for mm-hmm. me, the movements of our time, whether you talk about the Parkland movement of high school students there or the movement from the um, uh, uh, from the Native American movement there to resist oil and so forth on their properties and water, um, Black Lives Matter, all these movements of our time, um, they show this side of human nature, which is, on the one hand, love, but is also outrage. And yeah. this is what has to invent the new politics, the new education, the new religion, the new economics. And um, I think this is a is, is our, our invitation and our challenge and our vocation, our calling at this time in history, whether we be young or old. Wow. And you the know, order we're talking about is about about gathering that energy and mm-hmm. making things happen, but from a deep place, a place of stillness and love and contemplation, not just of a reptilian brain response of anger alone or, um, or winning versus losing. Mm. I, I love that we're talking about this. And for those of you that are just tuning in, I just want to be clear for all of you that, um, you know, there are three people on the show today because each of them has contributed to this fabulous book, Order of the Sacred Earth, an intergenerational vision of love and action. And I want to make sure that those of you listening in 
know how to find out more about this, you can go to uh, orderofthesacredearth.org. You can go there. And also that's the same for uh, Facebook. And I want to make sure that um, you all have that information. Uh, and later in the show, I'll ask each of you if there's additional websites. You, you know, I want to get, I want to ask you this question, and I, I have a feeling it's going to be different for each of you, is many years ago, uh, I happened to get a job at a place that was once known as Bell Laboratories, right? So Ma Bell, Bell Laboratories. But that's not really what was important about this. I met a man and I was barely out of high school, could hardly read or write, but I met a man on my, my mail delivery route who every Friday, this, this gentleman brought people in his office, bagels, and he would talk to them. And one day I was delivering the mail and there I was, and he had a bagel and he handed me the bagel. And he said to me, I hope you like onion bagels. They will change your life. And I said, change your life? He says, yes, because you know, change is rarely comfortable and the people around you are just not gonna stand your onion breath. This man was Arno Penzias. <laughs> and the reason I'm sharing this story is because he influenced my life in terms of creation and creativity and create. So as your book. And I want to ask you this question and the message of this new narrative today is creation, spirituality, creation, and the world of possibilities is so very important. What is, why is it so difficult for each of us? And I'll start with you, Skylar. Why is it so difficult for folks to really embrace an order and consider a powerful vow, a powerful vow in the world we live in for uh, the community of sacred earth? Mm, Skyler, how about you go first? Yeah, (laughs) I know it was a long question, but this guy, this Arno Penzias guy, I mean, that's what I used to call him. I used to call him Arno. Uh, became the president, Nobel Prize. I had no idea who he was, but it didn't matter to me. His message mm-hmm. is what mattered. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I want to ask you, you, you all here. I, what do we need to tell mm-hmm. people? Well, I love, I love that question. And um, really, Arnold, what I think he's saying there and what, what I feel is important in my, in my path for coming out, so to speak, being mm-hmm. myself in the world and... and um, standing up for justice and what I think is right is it's going to be different than what other people think is right or, or wrong or, um, or maybe important in the moment. And it's so important um, to be okay with other people not liking me and, oh. and thinking about the onion breath. It's, 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 <laughs> it's important that I can get beyond needing to be liked by everyone and needing to, to say what they want to hear, and um, and that we we frankly don't have have time for that. Life is is too short, and it's important to to get to the point, but to do so from a, a space of connection, um, of valuing our similarities, our humanness, and um, 
over politics, over these other things, these divisive um, ways that we can we can separate each other and ourselves. And separation can be endless, but connection is even deeper and even more vast. And so um, I really appreciate that question and, and for the chance just to speak to that, because it's, it hasn't been easy to get over that for myself. To, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I want to be liked. I, I want to say things right now that people are, you know, like, wow, he's, he's, he's on it. He's got it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, it's, it's that I have to get beyond that if I'm going to speak my truth. And, um, and it might be different than what Matthew has to say right now or Jen, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I appreciate that, that yeah. question. And, uh, yeah. Matthew, how about you? And then Jen, we'll give you a little bit more time to think about this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, um, one way to interpret, uh, your story and, and, um, Skylar's response as well is to, talk about the true self versus the false mm. self. The, the, the false self is trying to please others. So it's living at this um, this outward uh, way of responding to life. The true self, first of all, you have to make journeys inward. You have to learn what silence is and what solitude is. You have to learn to let go and to let be. Uh, you have to learn some mindfulness, therefore, and some mind emptiness. And that's what contemplation is, and that's what meditation is. So um, uh, I think that that's one way to understand your question, and it's a really important question because it's at the heart of all spirituality. The Working out of the inner self, the inner person, that the mystics talk about, instead of just the outer person, the outer self. And today it's not just that outer that people outside are, are judging us by our breath, bad breath or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, there are many idols in our culture that are, are set up to judge us. And that, I mean by that the economic system. You know, are, are you working a 40-hour job? And if not, why not? And uh, who do you think you are, et cetera? Have you bought the latest car or the latest gadget or the latest um, uh, iPhone or what have you? Um, so there's a whole system, I think, that is set up to allure us uh, from our deeper selves. And so we all have to make this journey sometime in our life, hopefully it's not just on our deathbed, where we ask ourselves, why are we here? Who really are we? Or what do we want to give back to the world? And some people, unfortunately, don't get to this level of living, even though they live a long life, because they've been so often distracted by the bonbons that our culture offers to distract us. And, of course, I think this is one reason there's so much addiction in our culture, that um, uh, people have not been invited to make this deeper journey into their true self and to discover what, what one Native American uh, told me, who, was, uh, who worked in prisons for 12 years, when he used my book on, on men, um, uh, The Hidden uh, Spirituality of Men, he said mm-hmm. what the, the men in prison found from this was the nobility inside. He said, that's what men miss. They don't know the nobility inside. They're so busy chasing um, and, and competing with what's being offered outside. So I think this whole return to the true self, the inner person, is an integral part of what uh, the order of sacred earth would require because it is about what we said earlier. It's about getting in touch with our 
what we really love and cherish, but also what makes us angry and outrages yeah. us. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of fire here to get organized and to start new things. And um, uh, I think we want to get in touch with, with both those dimensions of ourselves mm-hmm. and of life itself. Wow, thank you. And uh, Jennifer, how about you? Okay, so do you, yeah. do you think you got a little fire going on there? What do you think? Yeah, thanks for the extra time to think. <laughs> so <laughs> just taking a little different perspective on this question, I want to ask, what? so what is the onion breath of the order itself? Why, why might people not be attracted to it? And we did a little soft launch of this order last fall, so we have some lived experience of how this is resonating for people or not. And the thing that I've re- like learned the most uh, from people who are not attracted to it, or at least not at first, is there is this, especially in the younger generation, extreme mistrust of anything that kind of tastes or smells or looks like religion. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, Mira by Star has an essay uh, in the book, and she starts it by saying, for as long as I can remember, I have been both irresistibly attracted and practically allergic to every single one of the world's great religions. Mm-hmm. And I love that, this idea of, of an allergy toward religion. So I think people um, uh, misunderstand what the order is and have, have a lot of mistrust for it because of that. But the thing that I want to address is, this is not a religious order, and we, we sort of, uh, we bring that point up several times, and, and most people in their essays do, and also that we're, this movement is speaking to something. There's a little bit of a, of a situation going on in the world right now, again, especially with our generation, of throwing out the baby with the bathwater, like mm-hmm. just because our religious institutions are dying and, in my opinion, need to die, and this is acknowledged kind of across the board. I have a, a friend who's an Episcopalian priest, and he, I just talked to him. He was at this um, National Council for Episcopalian Priests talking about the future of the church, and he even there was saying, and this is his job, he was saying, you know, we need to let this institution die. We need to take the message and the truth forward, but, but we cannot be attached to the church itself. So, so my experience is that just because we are moving and evolving beyond religion doesn't mean we, we don't yearn for connection and, and a way to come together in awe and wonder and experience of the sacred and to, to have meaningful rituals for these important stages in our lives. That's something that the church used to offer. And uh, so there's a really, this is part of what the order wants to do is, is um, carry forward the, the, uh, the still valuable components of what our, our great religions and wisdom mm-hmm. traditions used to serve and, um, and evolve them for our evolving species. Mm. Wow. You know, thank you. I, I want to just ask this question. How can people find out more about the Order of Sacred Earth? What's the best place to send people? Because I'm pretty much not going to take a break during this show because I really want to keep the conversation going. But I want folks to know how to find out more about each of you and how to find out more about the Order and definitely how to get a copy of the book. You want me to take that one? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Yeah. So as you mentioned, our website, uh, orderofthesacredearth.org, we're just now starting a blog um, of people who are inspired by the message, are um, starting Order of the Sacred Earth community. So um, you can also email us, orderofthesacredearth at gmail.com, and we'd love to connect with you and even put your story up on our website, on our blog. Um, and then, yeah, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash orderofthesacredearth. It's all the same. So mm-hmm. um, love to connect with you that way. You can get the book, Please, Please, from your local bookstore. 
Yeah. Or if not, you can also get it on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, anywhere mm -hmm. on the internet. Uh, well, thank you. Um, I want to do something a little bit different about this next uh, remaining part of the show. I want to be less orderly. And uh, I want to just bring up a couple of things in the book. Uh, so uh, I've read the book twice now. Um, and uh, there was so much in here. I had to read it twice. But let me tell you the impact for, for somebody like me. So may not seem like much to you, but I generally don't kill many things, right? I don't kill spiders. <laughs> I don't do that thing, right? And I had a mentor who lived in Sebastopol uh, in California who took me out on my first vision quest in the late 90s, which changed my life. But this morning, I spent 20 minutes dancing with a spider so that I could comfortably help it out the house until I finally realized, why am I even doing that? This house is big enough for both of us. 20 minutes it took me to get that message. And it's because of a few things I read in the book. And I wanna just have a conversation about them. One of them is in the New Enlightenment, but also as we talk about a new level of enlightenment, I also wanna talk about some of the underpinnings that I feel are in this book, that it actually, this new enlightenment is not a passive thing. See, sometimes when we've been talking about enlightenment, I've gotten the sense of a real passive energy. My sense is, or at least for myself, in creating a, a network that's all positive talk, it's about a more assertive energy. And I wanna ask each of you, and how does this new level of enlightenment usher in the spirit of creation spirituality? Just jump in, anybody. <laughs> well, uh, Skylar here. Um, I loved how you named the assertive energy um, piece and also just the, the dancing with the question of how to coexist with a spider. Um, yeah. The, the level of participation that's, um, that's required to be in this life fully and to not fall back into what I think so often comes with being human, which is an unconscious sense of division or separation with the world, because it's easier. It's easier to other the spider, other um, another culture, or other anything that's, that's going to be a challenge to dance with or to, to be with. And, um, and yet I think that assertive energy is necessary because we don't want to, in some mushy way, we don't want to make it all one too easily to the new enlightenment, I think is different than the old enlightenment because the old enlightenment, um, from Buddhism and uh, many traditions, um, is many mystical traditions is all about oneness. It's all about, um, getting connected to love and to, um, to the divine, and we're we're all for that. Um, but the new the new enlightenment, I think, leans more towards realizing the differences, because we can come with a more um, in touch, realistic, and um, differentiated um, sense of of things. We want a whole diverse ecology uh, of an experience. We don't want. It just to be, we're not trying to, the order of the sacred earth isn't just, you know, it's not a cult. 
It's not about pledging a vow and diminishing your creativity, diminishing your freedom. It's about increasing that and in a very immediate bioregional way um, in the sense that, that we're, we're having conversations with other species, with the earth herself, um, with our own imaginations, um, letting ourselves dream, letting ourselves actually listen, which is, is a, an intentional act that takes effort, and all spirituality does take effort. And uh, it takes effort to be in community, to live with others. And all of those things um, require that assertive energy, but also and the assertive energy is just to be open. So it's really blending the, the masculine, feminine, and other energies together. And so that's my short version. Of, mm, thank yeah, you. I really love thinking about that, yeah. Thank you. I think this word enlightenment is an interesting one. Yeah. And the um, the phrase that you pick up on is found in David Corton's introduction to our book and also mm-hmm. in his uh, essay in the book. Mm-hmm. He's a really smart social philosopher. And um, I think that's interesting, the Western use of the word enlightenment and the Eastern use. So in the West, of course, the enlightenment was this the modern era, and it, it was characterized by a vast amount of knowledge, and but it was very patriarchal and very controlling. And... Um, uh, and it, it put down Mother Earth and women and other species and certainly other cultures, and especially the indigenous ones and so forth. So it was also very aggressive. And um, and we're still working out of that context. The word enlightenment in the East, to me, that means, of course, a spiritual awakening, and which really culminates in compassion, which, of course, links to the deepest teachers of spirituality in the West, including Jesus and including Meister Eckhart and many others, of whom uh, uh, compassion is the, the name for God. It is the work of God, and that's the Jewish tradition and the biblical tradition. So um, um, that's how I, I see this move from the old enlightenment, is letting patriarchy go um, in, the, just in the raw pursuit of knowledge and power, because knowledge alone is power. Instead, we want wisdom, and wisdom has a feminine dimension to it. It's cosmic, and it's been put down for centuries in our very educational institutions, for example, and therefore all of our professions that, uh, that um, uh, apprentice in our educational institutions. So that's how I would name this movement. Mm-hmm. So a movement from the old enlightenment to an enlightenment that is about wisdom and compassion and Therefore, it links East and East and West at the level of spirituality. Uh, the modern era of enlightenment was not about spirituality; it was about the left hemisphere of the brain going yeah. mm-hmm. going a very strong. And that's not a bad thing. Obviously, it, mm-hmm. it got us electricity and indoor plumbing and all kinds of usable things. But it's also destroying the earth. So we have to get this what David Corton calls the second enlightenment, which will be more inclusive and include the right hemisphere of our brain our intuitive, our mystical brain, and um, developing that, our capacities for love, our capacities for forgiveness, capacities for creativity, for birthing new ways of doing things, including just living our lives daily, uh, and as you say, questioning whether we have to kill every spider in our in our house. Um, all this is, uh, I think, the, the journey that we're on as a species, and we're hoping that the order of the sacred earth will, will, will uh, be a shortcut but allow people to kind of shortcut 
into this new consciousness, which in fact, in many ways, is an ancient consciousness of putting wisdom before just knowledge, but incorporating knowledge into a bigger picture of how to serve and especially how to be compassionate. And as Jesus said, be you compassionate as you as your creator in heaven is compassionate. This idea that compassion is the work of the universe, it's the work of God, and it's our mm. work too. Yeah, I, I love that you talked about that because one of the things that, one of the reasons I did get kicked out of that Catholic boarding school, by the way, at age six, was that, you know, while Jesus did, as I'm looking at the ninth station of the cross, right? did tell me that my mother was with him. And as I walked into Mother Superior and Sister Michael Anthony is pulling my ear off, uh, Mother Superior's got tears in her eyes because my mother had just committed suicide. So you see, I think as a child, when I get a lesson like that, not following my intuition has been extremely painful. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought that up. And Jennifer, Mm -hmm. may I ask you a different question, but kind of along the same lines? Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm a little bit Italian. And Mm -hmm. so I'm reading- I'm very Italian. Yeah, (laughs) I'm reading Claudia Picardi, right? And I wanna ask Mm -hmm. you this question if I could, because I was Mm -hmm. transfixed on this for a bit. And she goes goes on to say, Although I believe that most human beings are, have encountered this experience, talking about the experience of the sacred earth and cosmos, talking about, you know, the seeds uh, of, of what she's talking about, OCE here she refers to. She says um, this, she says, mystical awareness nurtures the experience of the sacred. Practice and commitment cultivate it. Prophetic action is its fruit. And as all fruits do, it seeds the ground for a deeper encounter with the mystical. And then goes on to say, the order of sacred earth, as she understands it, is precisely such a framework. It's openness to all wisdoms, tradition, and interdependence from all dogmas, together with it being deeply rooted in what we all share, a life on this wondrous planet, can thus be the key to opening the cage. And I wanted to ask you, this idea that she brought forth, I wanted to ask you, what is the call to action for us to get this and to get it quickly? I really Mm -hmm. think quickly. Not Mm -hmm. like get it in 50 years from now, like now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. We... um... It is related to the last question. You'll notice the subtitle of our book is An Intergenerational Vision of Love and Action. And, um, yeah, we have to do it quickly because we're running out of time. <laughs> we've, uh, um, you know, many people believe we've already reached that turning point. Um, so I love what she's saying there because it's, it's the love side of this idea of love and action. And what I believe is that either one without the other is sort of pointless right now. Um, so getting into our our spiritual practice, whatever that is, so we can reconnect with our sense of presence and the higher power, if we believe in that, and our sense of the sacred. That is the energy that is going to that is going to drive our action and let us come out into this kind of this very challenging and hurtful and destructive world. We're not going to survive out there as warriors if we're not connected with our own sense of purpose, sacred 
divine. And uh, like Matt said, the idea of warriors that we are we are acting from love. But then the reverse is also there. Um, you know, like both Matthew and Skylar were speaking to in your last question, the just sitting, you know, on our mountaintop and meditating is not enough right now. And no. I know Matt always, um, you're going to have to give me the credit, Matt, because I can't remember who it is, but he often uh, quotes that uh, hope is a verb with the sleeves rolled up. And that's very much what this book is about. Yeah. We, yeah. we are rolling up our sleeves, we're putting on our boots, and we're going out into the world because it's time. <laughs> yeah. Wow, thank you. Um, I know we've got a few minutes left, and I and I, I want to just go around to everyone because while I think this is a fabulous book, I was really struck by the fact that it not only gave me hope, but for those of us here that have created a positive talk radio network that's going to go from one channel to 10 within four months, both existing psychic talk radio and God talk on the same network, People want to have me committed, by the way. They just think I've lost my mind, that I should be retiring. So here is the question I'd like to ask all of you. Um, there is a clear call to action, and you talk about it in the vow part of the book, I think. You probably talk about it a lot. Um, recently, I, I told folks I was starting a blog called Now Enlightenment. And they asked me, what, what right did I have to talk about now enlightenment? Where are my credentials? And my answer was, I don't know. It's just something I want to do. So I want to ask you guys, what is that something y'all want to do that people are probably telling you you shouldn't do? All right, Matthew, you want to go first? <laughs> well, I think we're... We're back to that word that you picked up on a few minutes ago, and that is intuition. Uh -huh. um, and also working from the inner self, that the, the, your creativity, as I wrote about in my book on creativity, very often the Holy Spirit works through our creativity. Yeah. And uh, Thomas Aquinas says that the, the same spirit that hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation hovers over the mind of the artist at work. So your work as a journalist on, on the media uh, the Holy Spirit is telling you to do this wild thing, go from one to ten, and uh, and and it's not a it's not a rational uh, decision; it's an intuitive decision. And it's interesting that Einstein himself says that values do not come from our intellect. He says values come from intuition and deep feeling, which he says are the same thing. And the word I use for that is mysticism. So, um, and also, you're willing to take to take a risk, you know, to fail. We have to be willing to fail yeah. uh, with, with these new projects. And so, and in fact, the whole idea of the order came to me in a dream that woke me up at four in the morning and it said, do it in capital letters with four exclamation points. And um, so I started to talk about it with people, including Skylar, and, and now here we are. So um, I think at this time in history, we all have to pay more attention to the Holy Spirit, that is to into intuition, to creativity, and to dare to do some uh, some actions that may be appear at first less than rational, and but so what? I mean, all all fun is irrational, all ritual is irrational, all love is irrational, all music is. So the greatest things in life are irrational. Our culture is is dying partly because it's too rational. It's stuck in this mode of 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 the first enlightenment and not of this new enlightenment, which will invite. The, the irrational, the more than rational, the intuitive, 
uh, and, and mystical back into the picture. Yeah. Every morning I start my day with the Holy Spirit asking, what is mine to do today? And I'm hoping that someday I'm going to get a different answer than this one. I get one word, more, do more. Uh, Skylar, do you want to go next? Yes, I'd love to. Um, so I, I was, I thought of two quotes that I just mm-hmm. love. Um, one is by the, the statesman um, and play, playwright Vaclav Havel, um, from the Velvet Rev- Revolution in the Czech Republic. Um, and he, he said, it's, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase him, but um, hope is not the conviction that things will turn out all right or that they'll work out, but it's the knowing that life makes sense regardless of how it turns out. And mm-hmm. I just love that because it, it's like, we don't know what, what's going to happen. Um, another Native American teacher of mine, he says, we're all in kindergarten. We... Um, we're all just learning, you know, how to be human. We're, I mean, at most we're, we're pre-adolescents, um, you know, in terms of, of, of what we're going after, what we want, what we don't want, what we like, what we don't like. But, but there's a larger order, if you will. There's, an, there's a larger sense-making process that we can start to get into when we, we, we pray or we ask these bigger questions and we listen, like you said that you do. Um, every morning. And, um, and so that brings me to the second quote by Howard Thurman, um, which is, ask not what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and do that because the world mm. needs people who've come alive. And, and that, to me, intuition and the impulse to live that from within is, um, is beyond any sense-making rationale. It, it, could, be, it could be very destructive to um, relationships. It could be destructive to the forms that are taking place in your immediate life right now, which may or may not be working, but there might be a, a higher octave, so to speak, a higher calling that's, um, that's, that's, that's whispering to you or that's very loud <laughs> and, uh, and, and shoving it in your face at times. But um, change is hard for us humans. It's definitely hard for me. And, um, and so just having the courage to, to be uncomfortable sometimes, to die in large and small ways, and, and to keep asking the question, what, what makes me come alive? And, mm. and seeking that, because I, I, I'm lost without that. That's, that's, my, that's my compass. And, um, and when I get quiet in the wilderness, that's where I hear it the most and help others to hear it too. So um, everyone has their own way, whether it's a, a prayer in the morning or, you know, taking time at lunch or whatever. And I just, for me, above anything else, it's us sharing our stories and of what makes us come alive and helping each other through these rites of passage that we can't do alone and um, that we need the mirroring and the perspective of others. And sometimes we need to just be completely alone um, to listen to ourselves. And so um, it's mm. that paradox. And um, so thanks for your question. It's so fun to talk about this with you. Oh, you, you all are great. Jennifer, how about you? Yeah, uh, just, yeah. just realizing that most of my um, optimistic visions I feel like get laughed at um, regularly. But there's uh, <laughs> one in particular, the most radical, that I'm happy to share. And uh, Skylar and I have a 10-month-old baby named River. So this question is more present for me than ever, which is, you know, what is the world going to look like for him when he's 30, 40, 50? 
And how about his children? And how about their children and theirs and theirs? You know, what does it look like seven generations from now? And my, my just radical optimistic vision that gets laughed at um, even by very optimistic, hopeful people is I want to see someday, uh, you know, maybe in the afterlife, a borderless world. I want to see us erase our arbitrary lines in the sand and recognize that we all share one home, which is the sacred earth. Thank you for wow. the question. Uh, thank you all so much. I just love what you're doing. I love the message. I, I know you're busy doing a lot of interviews, but I would like to leave the door open for you to come back. There's so much more here um, that uh, is, for me, uh, not just a book to read, but it's a way to bring people together under something so much greater than any one of us could do. So thank you to all three of you for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Dr. Dr. Thank Dr. you. All right. That, for those of you out there, uh, Order of the Sacred Earth, and I am just so honored uh, to have this conversation today. To all of you out there, I know you've heard something. Please get a copy of the book. Please go and check out Order of the Sacred Earth. And also, when you go to our site, either on the Dr. Pacha or Transformation Talk Radio, you'll see a button there. It'll take you right over there. Thank you all. Thanks to the three of you for being warriors in action for amazing rebel, absolutely amazing rebel cause. We'll see you all next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.